Thanks for tuning in as 220-somethings talk about corporate personification, I guess if you want to call it that. Yes, episode two. Thanks to everyone who listened to episode one. (laughs) (laughs) Realized it was rusty. We're going to try to do a little bit better on our second attempt. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about something that I guess we dubbed corporate personification or personalization. You, You also mentioned that some people call it brand yeah, brand anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphism. <laughs> That's a no. Yeah. Point is, yeah, this topic isn't really talked about much. You know, it's we found a few articles here and there, uh, sort of as research for the podcast. And everything we research, uh, we're gonna lean on two articles actually. One by the Ringer, um, one by the Guardian, and one by Slate, as well as a Vice article. And so we'll link the ones we leaned on, which is probably just the Ringer and Vice article. Mm-hmm for this podcast, but uh, let's just explain a little bit about it. So I'll start us off. Uh, On September 2nd, so we're recording September 22nd, literally 20 days ago, Wendy's tweeted asking Pringles what the weirdest thing they dipped into a Frosty was. So obviously Pringles is is a company. I don't think they buy Frosties. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of weird. But I mean, it is I, weird. I can see why they asked it because plenty of people dip their fries in a frosty. So why not? I mean, <laughs> why not? Pringles? Why not Pringles? <laughs> exactly. So uh, Sunny D also tweeted uh, not too long ago that it was feeling depressed based on a result of the Super Bowl game, which makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, Burger King makes TikToks, and McDonald's casually disses other companies and restaurants on Twitter. Yeah. Often beefing with Wendy's, actually. Yeah, they have this weird thing going on. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, then Adam Alter, a marketing and psychology professor at NYU, told Vice in the article that we mentioned, brands now behave like real people with idiosyncratic personalities on social media platforms. He then went on to mention how it's been one way for them over the past five years or so to, quote unquote, stand out in a crowded marketplace. But this humanization of brands, he continued, means we've come to expect small doses of humanity from even large brands that may have once seemed faceless and corporate before the rise of social media. Yeah, so in this day and age where uh, it's sort of a two-way marketing that exists, where uh, as opposed to traditional media and traditional advertising, there wasn't a way for the people you're advertising to to respond. now in the age of social media the only way to stand out is to be someone or be something a corporation a faceless corporation that has a face in order to improve brand loyalty and actually get engagement from their audiences engagement is something that was never really thought about in marketing before because engagement was just sales Mm -hmm. but now there's a whole different sector that exists with the rise of the internet and you see this now like not only on twitter using like comedic appeal to get your clientele up. You also see it in other forms of marketing, like social marketing, like companies like Gillette will Mm -hmm. go out and create commercials discussing toxic masculinity, basically having a stance in which they stand. Uh, Nike frequently says like, just do it or empowerment, work hard, go for your goals. Adidas sort of follows that same suit. These companies now, they, they have a different perspective. They're trying to push out social positions, you know? Yeah, personality, yeah. It's a personality trait, really. Absolutely. And uh, does a company, should a company have that? I, I think that's a, that's that's really interesting because it almost seems like some companies were set up for it. You have so many companies, like for example, going back to Wendy's, McDonald's, that have these mascots. And up until now, they were just mascots. You know what I mean? You never heard the Pippi Longstocking looking Wendy's mascot who's on their on I guess on their logo talking to people or communicating but now she is through the Twitter account yeah with somebody <laughs> behind the thing same with Ronald McDonald you know what I mean Ronald McDonald has always been kind of this mascot for McDonald's but he never really communicated any values that McDonald's yeah, had that's actually interesting or, because I look at Ronald McDonald as maybe an early example of this yeah right and then we went we went digital yeah. So how, how, how do these companies adapt? Wow. Anyways, so this is just some starting off topics. Essentially, we're going to try to go through this, try to break it down for everyone. So uh, now we're going to get into sort of what we think this really is.
you follow any brands on social media? I mean, think about it. A brand's personality is a driving force to why people choose to follow a company on social media. You're not、yeah. going to follow a boring company on social media. That's not going to be what you want on your feet every single day. Yeah, for sure. When you're scrolling through all types of people, like I mean, they're essentially making it a more saturated market where corporations are feeding on people's time to be seen on social media. They need to get that time. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what? Like, I'm sure there's plenty of Studies that look into this, but there's people spend a few hours a day at least. I imagine like aggregated together on social media. So this is, I guess, their opportunity to to make themselves interesting. Yeah, you know, like even though a company's content may be interesting and educational, what really gets people engaged is their flavor, and that's pun intended. Talking about Wendy's <laughs> and, and McDonald's, sorry, dad jokes.、Um, Personality or flavor is something that society can relate to. A connection can be formed with consumers when a company has a personality. A, 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 a exemplary company is Snickers for this. They use、yeah. social media. Yeah, they use social media as a tool for posting funny content. It doesn't in, just include their products, but also current events. I mean, it creates buzz. For example, the "You're not yourself when you're hungry" campaign. Like I, I, I thought that was hilarious, and and. Then <laughs> see like I mean after, like in a different body <laughs> literally <laughs> those、yeah. commercials it says like like it'll be like I remember just off the top of my head that fo- the football coach who was being sorry I might get flamed for this but like the soccer mom Karen type character、oh, yeah, sure. eats a Snickers and all of a sudden he's back to being coach and, he was Karen yeah that's he, a good call he, he was yeah sorry that was、um, a pre Karen Karen yeah don't get offended anyone please this is uh, unofficially uh, translated. <laughs> um, but like, does this explain the hangry phenomenon that happened after? You know, people just started saying like, "Oh, I'm hangry, I'm hungry, and angry at the same time." Like, I wonder if this was somewhat sparked by that that Snickers campaign. No, for sure. I mean, I bet they utilized it. And actually, I'm just gonna jump off that a bit because I think one of the early versions of something that was like this but a little bit different was, and companies still do this when they use celebrities to say their statements. You know,、yeah. and that's something that ties into another marketing effect called the halo effect,、mm. where people think that a celebrity or an athlete, because they're good at one thing, they're gonna give good suggestions. It's just an association that happens in your mind.、Okay. So when you have Michael Phelps telling you to wear a certain type of shoes, you're gonna see that and be like, "Well, Michael Phelps is the best swimmer in the world. I'm sure he wears great shoes." Right? Yeah. You know, or Terry Crews is telling you to wear Old Spice. You're like, "That guy's." Super muscular. Yeah, he he probably has great sense. I don't know. Literally, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. It just kind of reminds me of even like like Mike, you know, and like little. I guess there's ba- little Bow Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's little. He, Bow Wow. <laughs> sorry,、Extra、I thought it was little Romeo. Like, yeah, I always used to get those guys mixed、They're、up. The same person. Anyways,、um, yeah, it's like he puts on Jordan shoes, and all of a sudden he embodies. Michael Jordan's playstyle, and yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I I think it's interesting because,、um, like, a person as a celebrity isn't gonna necessarily tell you anything right regarding the best cereal to eat. You know, frequently athletes are used to promote cereal. It's like, what do they know?、Um, but that sort of translates back over to a company sort of taking on some type of role to tell you how to behave. When really that isn't very much associated, and I think especially nowadays on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, companies are using this because it's two-way communication.、Mm-hmm. So a company that isn't using two-way communication is probably going to start to stagnate, you know? Because so so can you can you just like take a take a full stop real quick? What do you、yeah. mean by two-way communication? So I mean. As opposed to old traditional marketing, two-way communication requires communication from the seller, you know, from the supply essentially to the demand, and then the demand can then articulate their response to the supply, who will then adjust itself to、mm-hmm. the demand again. Okay, so this is kind of like me tweeting at a company and then tweeting back at me. Exactly. I mean, now here's some examples of two-way marketing. So, two-way marketing are things such as like. Internet commercials, social media, adwords—these all use cost per click or cost per impression methods. And this is opposed to old marketing. I'll give you some examples of that. I mean, they're still used today, but they're definitely falling 
Uh, lower end, their expense usually in terms of cost, especially in cities, is reducing drastically. So things like radio ads, mm -hmm. you know, when you're hearing a radio ad, you can't just yell back in the radio, I like that ad. I thought that was great. Yeah. Your chips are too expensive. Posters, billboards, you can't, I mean, like, how do you really recognize how often you saw that sign on the side of the bus? Yeah. How are you going to directly understand that? Are you going to check the people on the bus, whether they went to your store? You can't exactly know whether or not they're going yeah. to your website or to one of your brick and mortar locations. Yeah. I mean, you being in business, I mean, how do you determine how effective an ad is? You yeah. know what I mean? So there are sort of certain algorithms, I guess, and formulas to figure out um, it's sort of like a viewership on things like signs. Okay. You know, they have historical records. You know, there's a way to understand what kind of sign works better. And it's usually priced accordingly. Like the side of a bus sign is going to cost more than the back of a bus. You know? Interesting. For like, just certain things like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's not always the case. It might yeah, be the yeah no, I got you. Yeah. But there are cost differences based on where located on a bus it is. Mm -hmm. You know, that goes even further to in the store. When you're in a Walmart, it's going to cost more for the honey bunches of oats to be at the top head level rather than at the bottom shelf. Gotcha. It's literally a different price. An aisle cost, you know, a back of aisle cost, how high you are on the shelf. Mm -hmm. it, it, it determines your ability to be viewed. And the more often there are views of that thing would lead to uh, more often, I guess, of purchase. But that's not always the case either. Obviously, brand and design and marketing are going to affect all of those as well as price. But yeah, I mean, you saw it in newspapers too, another form of one-way communication, TV commercials. These these methods worked, you know, they worked in their time, but when the internet came out, it opened up a new door. And that door was the ability for your consumers to tell you how they feel. Mm -hmm. And you to get real important statistical uh, information from that data. So what Google AdWords is, the one that I mentioned does internet commercials, and social media advertisements, as well as featurettes. So when you search up something on Google, like I search up watch, there might be one from Tagore at the top line. They paid to be at that top line. You know, it'll say featured ad at the top there, and that's an extra cost. So these are all ex expensive ones. And they use one of two forms of calculating costs. One is the cost per click method. The cost per click method is a cost based on the amount of times someone who views it will click that link and go to the website, mm -hmm. right? That tends to be more expensive and that tends to be per click. Gotcha. Compared to the other option, which is, which is the cost per impression method. The cost per impression takes every thousand impressions and puts a cost on it. An impression is basically if you see it. Gotcha. And then you can use some math to understand based on your sales to mm -hmm. figure out how often people see it, bought it. Some people say 10 to 20%. Nice. Right, so it depends on the, um, depends on the product, right? If a product has, um, is a more expensive, then you probably wanna go cost per click. Okay. Right, because you're paying for people to go on your site and have a better chance. If you're selling something cheap, you might choose the cost per impression strategy and just get a thousand views on it. You know, if you see something that's cheap, you might not need to click on it. You might be more convinced to buy it. Yeah, the likelihood of you just being like, all right, this is good for me. I'm yeah. gonna order one, that's cool. Exactly. Versus buying a MacBook, yeah. for example. Yeah, and so what was shown in these two-way communication channels of marketing is something that is much more valuable than traditional marketing. Mm -hmm. And that is the ability to communicate back. But what also opened when the internet decided to like begin sort of flourish in the early and mid 2000s, was free versions of that same technique. And those free versions, one of which we're talking about today, the other, which is email blasts. You know, email in general has been used for a while for marketing, yeah. but that is a free version. So any company that needs to market, you can always just send out emails. Yep. It's super cheap. It might not be that effective, but I mean, it's better than nothing. Yeah, and the other option is what we're talking about here using a free medium to get customers' attention. And that free medium isn't too free because you have labor costs, but that would be social media. And so in an Instagram account, a Twitter account, tend to be really useful, free, very inexpensive ways to get um, customer engagement up. 
and it actually is very effective. And one of the main ways it's gotten so effective is through this brand personality. And that's because when a brand develops a personality, it becomes something consumers want to actually engage with. Like a really good example, I know you mentioned Snickers, but Nike's also really mm -hmm. good. I mentioned that earlier. But Nike's personality would be like empowerment, Absolutely. character, resilience, you know? And consumers who then uh, interact with these brands will then pass that on through word of mouth and likes and creating viewership more. Absolutely. I mean, it's the whole Just Do It campaign. I mean, you see even, for example, in the bubble, in the NBA bubble, uh, we're both uh, big basketball fans, for mm -hmm. example, and, and you see kind of how Nike's marketing strategies have changed over the past couple, a few short months with the 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 powerful movements going on in the states and globally and and it's nike's like you said is is this whole empowerment company yeah they sell shoes and clothes and and uh, sports accessories and equipment and all that sort of stuff but now they're they're also seemingly with the people yes exactly and you know that also brings up some types of things like social marketing like um a company like 10 trees if you've heard of it, have you heard of Ten Trees? Tell me. So Ten Trees is a company that makes shirts. Okay. What they did was they decided that every shirt they sell, they will plant Ten Trees. And that was a promise they made. For each shirt that they sell, they'll plant Ten Trees. And you've seen this employed all over the place. Absolutely, yeah. You know, even uh, restaurants like Wendy's will use it when they sell Frosties. This will go, a certain portion will go here. You know, yep. to this charity of your choice. This actually also improves someone's pride and brand loyalty when wearing a brand or eating a form of food. You know, if you're eating uh, a Frosty and you know 50 cents of that went to, or probably like 10 cents, went to some charity or orphanage, you're gonna feel better eating that. You know, and Tentries did something similar. You feel better wearing that clothes because you know that it's helping the environment or yeah. something that might also align with your other beliefs. Yeah, or you, you think, you know, I mean, the, the, the whole concept of corporate back charities is uh yeah, is that it that, that's coming soon don't worry yeah but, um, that's messy too i mean uh they tend to be ngos of some kind yeah uh nfps like not-for-profit yeah. organizations that um have a 60 percent miscellaneous <laughs> cost yeah. associated with the yeah, donations exactly <laughs> anyways back on track yeah, so um now that we sort of went over some of the two-way communication just explaining what this is Let's get into some of the history of how we think this began. So with a lot of the big mainstream social media platforms being created, I guess in the mid 2000s, late 2000s, like in terms yeah. of like Facebook and Twitter, I know yeah, Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, they all sort of came around at the same time, mm -hmm. the mid 2000s, uh, Snapchat as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like they were around then, but then all of a sudden these companies, these, sorry, these corporations like the, the McDonald's and Wendy's and IHOPs of the world, they realized that a lot of people were using social media for information to communicate with each other. And I guess they probably realized that they're just spending a lot of time here. So they needed to find a way to, I guess, capture more consumers, more customers yeah, through this. Yeah, or at least their attention. Yeah. They, you know, the whole concept. And this is not like, I mean, we're talking about social media marketing. We haven't even brought up the fact that social media itself is uh, sort of their whole business model is keeping someone on their app scrolling for as long as possible before logging out. So constant attention grabbers. Gotcha. So within that marketplace, you have companies with highly uh, strategized marketing uh, departments, departments <laughs> exactly, that are putting in uh, nowadays hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars into just their social media marketing. Yeah, I mean, but that wasn't always the case. Yeah, and and that that's the thing. I mean, we we sat for a little bit and tried to find some early examples of these companies trying to build their their corporate personality and I guess humanize themselves on social media. 
So uh, we found an article on Slate that highlights, I guess, IHOP being yeah. one of the early adapters of Fleek. Like, you yeah. know, you know, like <laughs> that whole on Fleek, that whole thing. Like, this is 2014. People talking about, oh, her eyebrows are on Fleek. Yeah, this on Fleek, Bay. that's on Fleek. Bay, for example, and this is like an early example. Like, I'll. I'll, I'll read you some of their tweets. Um, our pancakes stay on fleek. They always on fleek. How fleek are they? Like, that's so cringy. But you know what? They took these memes that literally came out just prior. June 21st, a Vine artist named Peaches, I guess, was a part of bringing up this whole f- on fleek movement. Interesting. And then soon after... I, they, thought, it was, I thought it was Khloe Kardashian. I've, that, oh, no, 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 no. She says... Oh, God, <laughs> no, that's just Cardi B, isn't it? Okay. I thought that was... Ah, oh, man. Hey, man, okay. it, it's okay. We're not... <laughs> we, we're not memeologists. But, but back, back... Here's the point. Back, back. The point is, these companies are clearly observant of the trends that are happening on social media. The different lingo, the different slang that's developing. I mean, slang has changed quite a bit. People used to call each other dog. Yeah. Homie. Some people still do. I, I still call I, my I homies still, homies all the time. Dogs. But it, it, but I if call it, cats dogs. But if you go, for example, if I talk to my brother who's just turned 16, it kind of sounds weird to him because we're kind of that old Yo, school bun slang. That. Bun that. Like that. There we go. Like, let's dip. Yeah. Like, people, like, these, these companies clearly are putting a lot of research dollars to understanding their consumer. And then going to social media platforms and using this lingo and getting followers out of it. There's statistics that show that, for example, Wendy's increased their follower count 300,000 people in six months. I'm not a big social media guy. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, after their presence. I mean, yeah, so as early as 2014, we found these examples of of brands sort of trying and I, I compared it earlier when we were discussing this to like you know in movies the first couple days of uh, of like an AI yeah <laughs> you know like before like 20 days before like they passed the Turing test they're like still figuring out like English it's like this is sort of like that but with brands like this is them figuring out how to become anthropomorphic how to pretend to be a human you know, and these are the early days. And one of those ways is they utilize memes. And uh, just referring back to the Slate article, just another point from there was, um, this is from 2014. I found this really interesting. Um, the author of the article, I can't see the name, so sorry. Oh, yeah, who is it? Let's find out. It was Twitter. Twitter wrote this. No, Katie Waldman. Um, so Katie Waldman wrote this part sort of to end it off and it was saying, should we be exasperated with the corporate suits for trying to leverage internet memes into profit? I just found that really interesting because this is 2014. Since then, six years has passed as of recording, six and a half years, and, um, it has gone a boatload worse. Or better. Or better. It depends on your take on that. Well, I mean, that's something we're going to discuss regarding the ethical implications of it. But, I mean, it seems like since it began on Twitter, it was like when brands started to become more off the cuff, like Wendy's would like snap at somebody for like saying something rude about Wendy's burgers or or like Burger King doing something similar. It just sort of shocked people initially, probably. And that created the trend. And once the trend was created, it was sort of like a snowball effect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I can imagine the numbers don't lie. You know what I mean? Like, they got... I couldn't imagine following Wendy's on Twitter. Yeah, I did for a long time. I did for a long time. But, like, it's like, like, just thinking back it's like so i'm going to follow this company that makes burgers this company is located down the street from me why would i follow them if i want a burger i'm going to go to wendy's and get a burger but now there's entertainment involved this burger place has never been entertaining yeah of course it entertains your taste buds (laughs) but it doesn't actually entertain you you can't sit there 
on the couch, bored, waiting for your train, and and just it, go go through Wendy's Twitter and actually have a laugh. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they straight up diss people, and um, it's really funny. I mean, uh, not to jump on this part of yours, but it became sort of a spontaneous and improvised thing that companies would do in order to help engage people, and it usually kept comedic appeal was sort of the form. And so uh, from uh, just to give a bit of background, companies can use a couple of different forms of appeal to get people's attention. You know, there's fear appeal. There's uh, fear appeals like uh, cigarette commercials or like uh, mad commercials, mother against yeah. drunk driving. They're like, uh, strap in, don't drink and drive, you know, or you won't end up alive. Yeah. Something along those lines. And that would sort of scare people into not doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's all obviously like sexual appeal. It exists. You see that in a lot of commercials as well, yep. where they, I mean, obviously it's misogynistic and you see it less often now. But you've been seeing that since the Calvin 60s. Klein. Betty yeah. Boop, for example. Like Betty we're, Boop. So we're going back like... like <laughs> yeah, that's one of the earliest versions of one of these forms of appeals, but one is also very useful is comedic appeal. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, it ends up being the one that is most often exercised on social media. And actually, since we're talking about Wendy's, uh, here's this quote by the senior director of social media, media, and partnerships for Wendy's. And he said, speed has to be part of this consideration. Twitter requires a degree of trust that's previously been unfathomable in advertising. To be cool, brands have to juggle between not giving a shit and avoiding scandal for their flippancy. Those that strike the right balance see an engagement much more personal than the type brands previously had with the public. So in a sense, it's saying them trying to be edgy, if they can find that nice line there, they're going to really capture people's attention. You know, a a bit of uh, shock appeal as well there, right? So I thought that's pretty interesting um, and sort of gives a background as to how this started to evolve and how it's come to the point now where companies (laughs) like Wendy's makes mixtapes dissing other restaurants, like legitimate music. Yeah. Like it's a person and the voice, the voice. Okay. We're going to talk about this in the next part, but that's uh, sort of the end of the history there. Now we're going to jump into how the popularity of something like this has risen. You're going to get that work. Head with some pigtails, better check the score of these mills sell. Now that's better. I'm so clever. My bar's chilly, better grab a sweater. You block my tweets, can't squash the beef, and you check my feet and your eyes swelling. How you love that? These straight facts, trying to take the swag, but we don't want it back. I'm a boss chick, and they hate with that. But we tried your food, where the flavor at? You number one. That's a joke. Why your ice cream machine always broke? Why your drive through always slow? Why your innovation just can't grow? It's queen when you need a say mo. Nope, uh. That baconator go crazy. That spicy chicken go crazy. You can take a fry, dip it in a sauce, and still be so tasty. Mm. Them little tweets don't face me. No nope. McDonald's be so lazy. Why? I know the reason you hate me, cause I'm fast food's first lady. It's Queen Wendy up in this thing. Y'all can't be the serving them things. Y'all too chicken for this beef. I'ma leave you resting in grease. Nugs for Carter, retweet. Boy, you know you can't compete. On top of our game and watch up. See, there's no stopping me. Flex. <laughs> That's crazy. That's wild. Red hair with my pigtails. No, you are not, miss. I mean, maybe you have red hair and pigtails. Yeah, yeah. You're not Wendy. This is not Wendy, but Wendy is fire. She has fun. That is another level of personification. Yes. I cannot believe it. That was a banging track. The Ice Cream Always Broke line was fire. Big fan. Um, but before we even go back to listen on that, I have some thoughts. I'm yeah. just going to assume that it went well. Um, but that was hilarious. That's another level. That 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 was Universal Studios production <laughs> of Wendy's dissing I, McDonald's. Like literally just that was there was like Rest in Greece. That was the name of the song. Rest in Greece. We beefing. Um I am shocked that she said she has red hair and pigtails. She doesn't. Or no, maybe, maybe she, she does. does. I mean, there's a chance. But how many people is she? Is it just one person? That's the whole idea of this personification here, taking a leap from what we were just talking about 20 seconds ago. Look, I, I imagine whoever's behind Twitter, for example, for Wendy's account, 
I, I don't think a, I don't think they just fire off tweets. I can imagine it goes up the chain. Yeah, to for get sure. This was from, written by a group too. I'm it sure. Must have been. But here's the issue. My issue is that this person just pretended to be Wendy. So the company that we said that they're trying to be personified throughout everything we've spoken of so far is that they're going on Twitter or other social media and they are legit acting like they are a human being. And that is interesting because they are not. They're a multi-billion dollar corporation. If we're sticking to Wendy's, a very successful worldwide company. When they release a song or a mixtape in this case, this had eight songs on it, I'm pretty sure. And we listened to this on I Am Hip Hop, five songs. This is like, it's an EP and it's it's actually amazing. I mean. <laughs> yeah, like I, I just pulled this up on Apple Music. Um, it's a five, like it literally looks like any other album I would pick up. It kind of looks like the Notorious B.I.G. album. Cover it really does. In a weird way. Um, the track was Twitter Fingers, Holding It Down, Rest in Grease, Clowning, Four for Four Dollars. Like it has a production company called Six Course Inc. Like the the artist's name is Wendy's. Like that's 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 insane. This Do you buy company. this? Can you buy it? Is it bought? This was released in 2018, and um, it's I really I want to see if you, well Spotify you stream it. How many streams does it have? How do we find out the streams? Oh, you have to log in. Yeah, log in. Okay. Regardless, I mean, I think that that's a crazy next step to this whole personification thing. At some point, what? They're going to have a robot Wendy's that's actually going to be Wendy's, and it will rap, and it will make music, and it will talk, and it will sell, and it will be in commercials, and that's Wendy. You know? It actually sort of brings me um, this really interesting sort of parallel that I've seen. And that parallel, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever, I mean, have you ever heard of like what happened with Snow White? Tell me. Snow White. So Snow White, way back in the day, the singer that played Snow White when she was like 17 or 16, when she initially played it, she signed a contract that her voice would be the voice of Snow White lifetime. That ended up, although she made some money from being the voice of Snow White, she could never sing and release music again. Under her own name, period. Under her own name. She's Snow White. That's the voice of Snow White. I mean, I see, obviously, I don't I don't think Wendy's would have gone so far to make that rapper Wendy, but you can imagine it There's, going down that road. Yeah, I mean, everything, I mean, if you think about any company, when it comes up with something, whether it's a marketing strategy, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, there's some sort of protection needed by that company in order for it to continue to provide that service and to be protected against competitors. I mean, you can't have Wendy just jumping ship and going to another company. You can't have her. No, I mean, sure. if, if we've now find out who Wendy is, this, this is the, the person rapping as Wendy and she goes and does something. Yeah, that, there's no artist name, by the there way. There is right? no artist name, but what if we knew the artist was, is Wendy? It is Wendy That's as far ridiculous. as we know, but it's, it, can this artist that actually voiced Wendy, can she go and do her own ventures? Do we, maybe she's already famous. We don't like. like, yeah, I, don't, I, like I don't recognize the voice. I don't but, recognize it either. But she's good. She's talented. Good. But what if she goes and does something against Wendy? Wendy's philosophy. What if she goes and speaks poorly about Wendy's for whatever reason? Is there some? I'm, I'm sure Wendy's as a corporation has something in place to protect themselves from defamation or whatever yeah. it is. I mean, that's the thing. If if Wendy was to go and join Burger King, that would seem disingenuous. <laughs> you know. It just wouldn't – it would just, like, jump ship to the other restaurant. Could you imagine a rap core amongst fast food chains? That's, that's what I tw- could. That's the 2021 in a nutshell, guys. I'm yeah. calling it now. You're calling it now. We go from COVID to restaurant rap war. RRW. That'd be sick. No, it wouldn't be. It would suck. Yeah, I, I think people would get sick it. because people would be poisoning other people, restaurants' food. Like, oh, my God. It got serious. Like, <laughs> it got serious. <laughs> Catch you outside the Burger King. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, this obviously sort of um, showcases the rise in popularity in the past couple of years. The fact that it's gotten to this point. And there's also really funny uh, brand tweets. Let's go over some of those. Absolutely. I'm still shocked about that Wendy song. 
Oh my goodness. Rest in Greece. She literally yeah. killed that. That was that was that fire. I actually would like to know what that artist's name is. I assume it's not Wendy, but follow that person. That person's if they're not stuck, like we yeah. were saying, they might have a really great career. Hey Drake Signer. Yeah. New OVO Wendy. <laughs> That'd be a OVO Wendy, yo, that actually yeah. has a ring to it. I like it. Yeah, I want a royalty, Drake. Yeah. Both of us do. All right, anyways. Um. <laughs> uh, so outside of that, I mean, we're obviously going to indulge anyone who decided to listen with some cool tweets from some really funny brands trying to not release a song per se, but using some form of personification to engage with their audiences. And the first one that I found was really funny was Bugles. So there's this Bugles tweet. <laughs> It's a picture of like a really sad apple. <laughs> yeah. It's like a face on an apple. And, and the, the caption says, the apple I bought a month ago watching me open another bag of bugles. Like almost <laughs> highlighting the fact that bugles are unhealthy and they should be eating apples. But like, they're saying it in almost a joking way. So I found that pretty funny. Here's another one. Bugles tweeted, getting a manicure. It's expensive. It's boring, it takes forever, and it tastes gross. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, putting bugles on your fingers, it's inexpensive, it's nostalgic fun, and it tastes like a snack. Oh my. <laughs> imagine, I mean, that's just so fun. And it's it's relatable. Like you could imagine anyone reading that would be like, yo, like I, I love putting those cones on my fingers. They're hilarious. I could act like a witch with her long nails and <laughs> claws, if you will. All right, um, that takes me into uh, Denny's. Denny's is also pretty funny. They've uh, embraced the fact that they're always open, the fact that uh, you see their signs in the most random places, and the fact that they appeal to a certain subset of, of people who go there to, I guess, quench their munchies. Um, yeah. <laughs> so on, on November 22nd, uh, Denny's tweeted, life isn't a highway because then there'd be Denny's next left billboards everywhere you can be driving through the most barren random place and you'll find one of those denny signs that's it's hilarious just so right? self-aware it's interesting they, they they they're very it's meta they know exactly what they're doing and they, they are denny's and they, they know how people perceive them you know like this here's another uh, another tweet um meeting a date for the first time come to denny's we don't serve catfish or this one i love <laughs> Disney Plus might be down, but Denny's restaurants are always open. This was November 12th when Disney Plus apparently was down for a little bit. Wow. So, like, it's sort of uh, attaching itself to current events, too. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Uber, check out this. Uber is pretty funny. Um, there's a tweet from this Natalie, from Natalie. Natalie wrote, my Uber driver is playing Holla Back Girl. Five stars for you, Wayne. And Uber actually retweeted that and commented, that ride must have be A N A N A S. Anyways, um, stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid, <laughs> it's but stupid. it's funny. <laughs> it's stupid, but like um, Oreo is a really funny one. Actually, I think it's one that's almost a little bit problematic. Okay. And let me tell you why. Chips Ahoy tweeted a photo on December fifth, saying "Throwback Thursday" with my BFF at Oreo. And it's a black and white picture of a box of Oreos and a box of Chips Ahoy. I don't get it. Well, okay, so then Oreo retweeted that, saying, wow, what a throwback. This must have been taken before oat milk became a thing. So obviously, it's unfunny. But I find it interesting that two separate brands are pretending to be BFFs when in reality they're owned by the same parent company. No way. Yeah, so Nabisco actually owns them as well as Cadbury, and they own a boatload of other companies. But these brands are acting separate, even though they are connected. So there's a camaraderie there that exists between these two people. Almost the brands are friends. That's hilarious. The I brands wonder, are friends, man. I wonder if those tweets came out of the same office. Maybe, man. I mean, like... I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if people can beef, this is sort of showing that people can also mesh. And uh, why am I even saying people? Right, there you go. There, that's, that's corporate personification right there. Yeah. Wait, what was the word you used? Anthropomorphism. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. so there's a couple other funny ones. 
uh, Charmin had some good ones. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on streaming while streaming? And it was... <laughs> I think that's brilliant. They, they, like, they, that's just playing on the fact that people are streaming and using their phone while <laughs> dropping a dookie. That's as unsanitary and controversial yeah. as but that isn't is. Isn't streaming peeing? Yeah. But then how is Charmin useful? For peeing, they just wanted to make a bathroom joke. They just exactly. They just wanted to make a bathroom joke. Exactly. You can't stream while streaming and nasty. What the heck, Charmin? <laughs> You're disgusting. I hate you. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, Axe does this as well. Uh, what other companies? Pop Tarts. I mean, here. Let, let, let me let me make pose a, a challenge, a suggestion, whatever you will. Go look at your favorite companies. Go through their Twitter or their Instagram or their Facebook profiles. Even if you don't have an account, you should still have access to them. And you'll you'll see firsthand that these companies are not acting like they represent an overarching company. It seems like it's one person who's almost the voice of the company, much the same that Steve Jobs was the voice of Apple in a sense. Nobody knows who the CEO of Wendy's or Denny's is. But it almost seems like that person is a 20-something-year-old talking about something on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. It's literally us pretending to be Denny's. I mean, I wonder if these people even go to Denny's. Like, it's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> like the people who are actually tweeting, because uh, have you have you heard the story about Gal Gadot? Another random story I'm going to bring up. Tell me. <laughs> so, so Gal Gadot was hired by uh, Samsung. Okay. Right? To make posts talking about how she loves her Galaxy S10 or whatever. Gotcha. Um, she then makes the tweet. What she didn't realize was that Twitter tells you what phone you made the tweet from. And it was tweeted from an iPhone. That's hilarious. So she tweeted out <laughs> that she loves her new Galaxy S10 from her iPhone. Like, it sort of shows that there is this... Um, it's like this this sort of facade that exists with these companies. They're pretending like this is. They're trying to be personified, try to be relatable, but they're pretending. This is all a game. And there you go. There's an example of a suit, somebody that's high up that doesn't understand their company, that doesn't understand the platform that their company is using to market. Mm. Because if this person, I, I don't want to butcher the name, Gadot, understood how. The, the, the platform worked, how marketing, how, I guess how their whole, I guess, marketing experience, the customer you know, work, they would uh, Wonder Woman. Oh. Israeli IDF soldier. Interesting. Yeah. She was a soldier. I mean, yeah. now she is not the soldier. <laughs> but yeah, yeah her. Uh, we didn't watch Wonder Woman <laughs> because of that. It is no secret here that yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> Anyways, let's keep this on. Uh, Viva Philistine. <laughs> let's uh, let's stick to the, the, the corporate personalization. <laughs> we get that. That's, that's going to be a podcast on its own. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want any any hints or, or spoilers. No, for sure. And I think we can sort of just jump into sort of what it does. We're going to separate this into another segment, but I mean, there's not much there. We just know that it works, mm -hmm. right? And uh, one sort of example of it working was with Wendy's. I know you pulled up some stats about how Wendy's actually ended up making a lot more money after uh, they upped their brand, brand engagement through Twitter. So let's see if we can pull that up. All right, we got it up. Technology. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we can sort of just go off um, for a little bit. We know that they ended up making, what was it, $64 million? Was that the number? Yep, $64 million. If I recall correctly, between 2017 and 2018, just with their... This, this personality, this persona they took on. Okay, here we go. I got the stats. Sorry, it took so long. <laughs> Net income was 159.3 million in the fourth quarter of 2017. 
the net income oh my in the goodness. fourth quarter of 2016 was 28.9 million. Quick maths, quick maths. That's about a hundred and thirty point six million dollars in net profits that increased. And then here we have the net, or sorry, net income. Yeah. And then net income from 2017 was 194 million, and in 2016, for I guess the whole the whole year, those previous stats were the fourth quarter. Now, 194 million for all of 2017, and 129.6 million for all of 2016. So that's an increase of about $64 million in net income year to year. The big difference, Twitter. Wow. And that, like I mentioned, they went from 2.1 million followers, six months later, 2.4 million followers. That's 300 new, 300,000 new followers because of- They're following a restaurant, man. They're choosing. They're choosing to. It's not an advertisement. They are choosing it's to not. follow a company on Twitter, on social media. That's exactly. I don't think people are following Wendy's to figure out when the next new burger drop is. Yeah. This isn't. This isn't like the Jordan store. Like this is. We're talking about fast food, in and out, same standard menu pretty much for the past twenty years. You got the Baconator. You got the little. Baconators. I don't, I don't know. You got, you got yeah. Wendy's menu. It's, it's been the same. People aren't watching it to, or keeping up with it to see when their new burgers come out. They're strictly following this restaurant for entertainment. Wow. Now, the main question we're going to sort of try to hit here as we do in our previous podcast and this podcast and podcasts coming to uh, in the future is we're going to have a main question and a side question. And these are sort of going to be fundamental things that we want to discuss regarding this topic. And the main question here is actually something that's sort of going to act like a side question. Uh, and that is, was this bound to happen in the age of social media? I think that's a, that's a good question. I think that goes back to kind of a repurposing of mascots in a, in a sense like i mean like i mentioned earlier like at, at the very beginning these a lot of these companies already had mascots yeah you know i mean of course i know denny's doesn't have a mascot a lot of companies don't have mascots and there's no point of creating a mascot for a lot of companies yeah but some of these companies already had mascots you know the, the like i said wendy's mcdonald's perfect example you have wendy you have ronald mcdonald and, and sorry i'll even add in burger king you know what the I mean? King of Burgers the, the himself. King, the Highness. An example we didn't even mention earlier is, do you remember back in the day where instead of getting a toy with your Happy Meal, you can get a game for Xbox 360 or PS3? And oh, it was even before that. I had a game on GameCube. Exactly. That, that was a while ago. And I remember at that point, I was eating like the, what, what are they called, the Whopper. So I, I was off the kids menu, you know what I mean? I was a, I was a big oh. boy, 12 years old, <laughs> off of the off the kids menu. It's the best day of my life. And <laughs> there, was a, there was a time where, like we were on a road trip, my mom would say, hey, you want McDonald's or you want Burger King? Yeah. I said Burger King, cause you know what? I wanted that game. And yeah, that game was dope. It was like a, it was like a pocket bike. Was right? it dope? I never ended up getting it. I, I you know what I mean? Like, I had the game, I'll tell you about it. It was like, it was actually pretty fun. It was like Mario Kart, man. But you were on like little pocket bikes. Remember when pocket bikes were a thing? Yep. Yeah. Those were awesome. I crashed at least three of them. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. My my uh, my parents were too. Uh... I never owned one. Oh. I crashed other people's <laughs> ones. Crashed other. They're like three hundred bucks. Only older kids got them. Anyways, yeah. So that's an interesting perspective. I mean, maybe this has been something that has existed for a long time. Was it bound to happen today? Yes, because it already had a precedent before social media yeah. and that precedent existed in games existed in mascots and social media has almost acted like a natural springboard yeah into this new era where there's a perfect spot for these companies to pretend that they're people to act anthropomorphic in a sense yeah and and here here's the thing a lot of the people they're targeting millennials gen z a lot of the younger audience and they're not sitting there watching cable TV to watch this Baconator commercial. 
Yeah. Or it's, I don't know why I keep on going back to Baconator and Wendy's, but like, like we don't watch TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see. We're very much cut the core generation. I don't even get YouTube commercials because I have an ad blocker. You know yeah. what I mean? So the one thing that I'll consistently get ads on is my Twitter feed. Instagram Anything on the Facebook. phone because the ad block doesn't really isn't exactly isn't so there on a smartphone. Going back to that that quote from I believe it was a Slate article. Do you believe? Do you blame these corporate guys for wanting to tap into this market? This is just another form of. This is another media, like you said. This is just a new way of two-way communication. Yeah. So that's interesting. So that starts to jump into the ethical implications of this. So we both sort of agree that it was sort of bound to happen. In the age of social media, it's bound to occur that these companies are going to do this because it was a precedent before, and there's reason, fin- fiduciary and financial responsibilities for these companies to follow and try to actually follow this trend that certain trendsetters like, I know you've mentioned Wendy's a lot, but Wendy's is really a pioneer in this form of marketing. And it brings up the question, is it ethical to pretend a multi-billion dollar company is a person with feelings? That's interesting because if we look at kind of the legal aspect of things, yeah, and this isn't this isn't my realm. You're much more versed in business and, and understanding corporate law and all that sort of stuff. Are corporations considered people? Yeah. So that is a little bit of a background here. Uh, when you open a company, or in the eyes of the government, there are three ways you can do so. You can do so as a sole proprietorship, as uh, a partnership or as a corporation. So this all brings liability into question. So a sole proprietorship, the liability of the corporation, say you default on payments for your land or your accounts payable. So the money you owe out to other people has grossed to a point where it's defaulted and you need to pay it back and creditors come and the company has to become insolvent or dissolve or file for bankruptcy. That liability actually falls onto the sole proprietor himself or herself. The person who opened the company, that liability is on them. They're viewed as the person. The company is just the tool they used in order to uh, sell. Okay. Now moving over to partnerships, that then takes that liability and splits it. So instead of being seen as a singular person, a partnership would be seen as uh, a group of people in a sense. And you see this in, in law firms. Law firms, uh, senior partners, for example, they tend to have some type of um, financial responsibility in order to get that part of buying. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's how they're seen. They're seen as a group of people. Corporations, however, that liability is vicarious throughout the entire being. It is seen in tax purposes. It is seen liability wise as a human Mm -hmm. already by the government. So that's sort of the legal precedent that exists. So is it unethical for them to then take on other human characteristics to help with their sales if they already do that on the legal side? I mean, it helps retain customers. It improves brand loyalty. You know, they're allowed to take stances on social issues and have their own statements and missions and visions and help uh, social causes that they find relate to their core responsibilities as a corporation. There are positives that exist. Mm -hmm. So, But, but I think we forget, sorry, just one last point. I think we forget what these corporations are. And I I just want to lead that into what you're going to say now. Because I think we do really forget um, that these companies are companies. So, um, I mean, before I get into kind of the meat of this, I I just wanted to kind of throw a question back at you. So, say for example, one of these companies says something inflammatory. Who is now held responsible? In terms of for law yeah. for lawsuits? I mean, just 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 in general. I mean. So let's say that the, the person, company, the company issues an apology, the company themselves, they don't actually point at some employee or some, although but, they so the, the, and that employee that they point to, are they protected? Because the same reason if, for example, I get scolding water spilled on me at a Tim Hortons location, I can't sue the person that handed me that scolding water. I can sue the company. I, I'm, I'm assuming sue, I can sue, sue Tim Hortons. You sue Tim Hortons. Exactly. It's called vicarious liability. So much in the same way, let's say John Doe is the final person that releases that tweet and they say something inflammatory that now gets flack. Who do you point fingers at as, I guess, a consumer of the of, of the content 
And then now as a company and you're sitting there with your board of directors trying to figure out how to get yourself out of this PR nightmare. So, I mean, what I've seen in the past uh, when companies like H&M have released things like they once had a monkey sweater worn on yes, a black yes, child. Yes. I know if you've seen that. I think that. Gucci as well has yeah, been involved so, I mean, in some scandals like that. Someone released that photo as a drop set and someone had to approve it. Those people were probably fired internally, but that wasn't mentioned in their apology. Their apologies sort of apologized that they, they almost took it like a company, like a person. It was a personal apology from a corporation that then fired those guys on the side. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. Um, I mean, without further ado, there's this, uh, there's this quote slash dialogue that John Hooker, uh, he's a professor of business ethics, social responsibility and operations at Carnegie Mellon University. And he, he referenced the steady retreat from rationality over the last past decades and that we as a people have forgotten our tradition of ethical reasoning. And all this has led, in his opinion, to a lack of moral clarity and sometimes efforts to find it in strange places. Now, we understand that being every brand's social account is a person. And part of the problem with brands becoming increasingly more human on Twitter, for example, is that it can content, uh, potentially be unclear. Sometimes if it's the individual's voice or the brands, and this is, this is exactly what I, what I was asking you about in terms of who's responsible. Is it John Doe with the final submit tweet or send tweet, fire off tweet, or is it the company that's meant to approve of a social media campaign and to prove that it falls in line with, with the corporation's vision. Yeah, so I would look at that. I mean, if, if they get the pros from pretending to be a corporation, then they have to take the faults. And I know people in some cases, you know, these are, this is outside of the, the, the area of social media marketing, but like um, Volkswagen, for example, had this time where they completely messed up on their diesel cars a couple of years ago. Yep. I don't know if you remember, they had to recall almost all of them. Yep. It was a huge blow. Oh, they had the shareholders were screwed. And although there were many people at fault for this, a whole group, a whole boatload of employees that were at fault at this, they did scapegoat. Their CEO had to step down. So sometimes that will happen. A company usually is viewed as a company, but they also tend to have a CEO who also acts and behaves as the company does, holds those same values and speaks what the shareholders believe, which is what the company believes. So that happens in certain situations. But that is a little bit out of the area of social media marketing because I couldn't tell you who Wendy's CEO is. And I think a lot of people wouldn't be able to, although it's probably a very affluent person. Um, it's just interesting because this ethical quandary exists uh, at a deeper level when you look at different types of companies. It's all fun and games when we talk about Wendy's. But when the uh, U.S. Air Force uh, decides to make a meme about how Yanni and Laurel is similar to Afghanistan and the war that happened there, I mean, then it gets a little bit confusing. The ethical boundaries start to become blurred. And ethically, it becomes a question of whether or not these faceless corporations that had a lot of resistance in the 70s and 80s are gaining favor, even though they tend to continue to practice unethically. All right, so Heavy, you're the expert. <laughs> expert in an unofficial translation way. All right, all right, <laughs> and unofficially translate your expertly unexpert opinion on the matter. Well, I mean, if the question is whether or not this is an ethical thing, yeah, which I think is the main underlying point here that we've tried to touch. I mean, it's funny, it's interesting, but when we're talking about things like. Uh, the Air Force making jokes about Afghanistan or Hillary Clinton's campaign pretending to be funny and charismatic when they're really just a front for the DNC or the same thing happening with the uh, Republican National Congress. Uh, they're yeah. using people's uh, bandwidth on social media to display this image of themselves. Yeah. And I don't think it's ethical. I don't think it's ethical because it displays a facade of what the company really stands for. Bottom line, corporations' main goals in America is to maximize shareholder wealth. Companies like Nike tweet and create media regarding empowerment while simultaneously paying below living standard wages in offshore operations in China and India. Apple pretends to be patriotic, stating their work is designed in California when the parts are made offshore. 
We have this trained mindset that we like companies because they align with our beliefs. But these companies put millions of dollars into marketing to their demographic. This is pandering. They have sculpted themselves to align with you, the majority, the product, the biggest piece of the pie. Mic drop, finger snap, poetry slam. That's episode two, signing out. Red head with some pigtails, better check the score of these mills sell. Now that's better, I'm so clever. My bar's chilly, better grab a sweater. You block my tweets, can't squash the beef, and you check my feet and your eyes swelling. How you love that? These straight facts, trying to take the swag, but we don't want it back. I'm a boss chick, and they hate with that, but we tried your food, where the flavor at? You number one, that's a joke. Why your ice cream machine always broke? Why your drive through always slow? Why your innovation just can't grow? It's queen when you need a say more. Nope, uh. That baconator go crazy, that spicy chicken go crazy You can take a fry, dip it in a sauce, it still be so tasty mm.